Well, wasn't that a wonderful set of ads? Just the right break you need in the midst of all this horror. Let's get ourselves settled back in for the next part of this thrilling tale. This time we meet quite a devilish dame, her knucklehead of an older brother, and both their partners in crime who are about to receive a bit of trouble from an anonymous foe. The town of Abaddon was small, but that didn't mean you couldn't find some slinky spot or dirty home to settle into. Of course, for Mora Cassia, these options were less than desirable, so she settled for the basement turned underground lab in her parents' formerly owned mansion on the far east edge of town. The mansion was rather grand, having a sprawling lawn, high columns, the place looked like a Roman Colosseum settled by a vampire. The interior often felt cold and untouched, like a secret part of a museum, long undisturbed or seen by the public eye. Between Mora and Preston, like to keep it that way. No one needed to come in, because frankly, there was no guarantee they'd make it back out. Downstairs in the lab, Mora was tinkering over a fresh body. The lab was pristine white, save for the excess amounts of rotting fluids on the floors, and the mixes of green and purple chemicals on the walls. Mora stood by an operating table, heavy silver tools in her hands, surgical mask on her face, blood and fluids staining her deep lilac lab coat. She sighed as Jezebel came into the room. She walked with the pace of a manager, coming to fire someone for being foolish or sleeping on the job. Well... I found out that Gorgons have a higher count of blood cells than centaurs. And this helps us? Don't worry. Everything within science is helpful. That's why we experiment. Well, your experiments are starting to break the bank. Zagan wants results, not meaningless tests while you get in your daily dose of sadism. You need to figure something out. After you lost that deal with the new chemicals yesterday, we backtracked majorly in reliability. Besides, this is starting to become too messy even for my taste, and I used to run the black market for organs when I first started working in hell. At least they had the decency to put things in jars, you heathen. I'm the heathen! You're a literal fallen angel! You have a tail! Details, details. Just get back to work, princess. We haven't got all night. If you're so annoyed with the mess, why are you still down here trying to bask in my radiance? Please. You're about to as radiant as hellfire during a witch hunt. No, I'm only down here because your brother and his partner are watching a movie upstairs. It's something about love and adventure or whatever. But you know how Preston gets when he starts sympathizing. It's disgusting. Well, for those of us who aren't emotionally constipated, it's called being a person. Although I will agree, he does go a little zero to sixty with his feelings sometimes. Especially around Andy. Oh, Andy, your horns are so cute and twisty. Oh, Prezi, you're just so precious when you wear that tie. I'd love to help you adjust it. Ugh, I hate them. If I didn't need their help, I would have catapulted them out into the sea a long time ago. Are you sure you aren't just jealous because your equivalents of date nights are harvesting organs and running tests on dead people? <laughs> no. I just wish they would act more serious. Love has nothing to do with any of this. Sure, sure, whatever you say, boss. And you say I'm the emotionally constipated one. What the hell is that? Mora? I, I don't know. This hasn't happened before. That usually only goes off when there's a break-in. To the girls downstairs, they have no clue what could possibly be happening. Meanwhile, upstairs, Preston and Andy have just been interrupted by an interesting phone call from a very unusual patron. 
It's just so sad. Like, how could he leave him? I just... Sweetheart, pause the movie. Just give me one second, okay? Here, take some more tissues. It'll be okay. Hello? You've reached Andy Malcolm, resident accountant for the paranormal. How may I help you? Andrew. Yes, that is my God-given name. Very good for you. You've reached the right number. Now, what do you want? Andy. Andy. How's the movie? Fucking swell. My boyfriend loves it. (laughs) Now, listen. If you aren't a client, I'm going to hang up as soon as Andy had said that. The lights and TV shut off around them, plunging the two into near-complete darkness. Andy felt Preston's grip on their shoulders tighten, and a chill went down their spine as they held him back. Can I make a guess that you just did that? Oh, sarcastic and clever. Isn't your pathetic little boyfriend lucky? (laughs) Andy, what's going on? I don't know. All I know is that whoever this is on the phone has something to do with it. What is it you want, exactly? Well, I just wanted to welcome you two to tonight's show. Show? Yes, yes, yes. You, my dear sport, and your dimwit of a lover, has been selected to play a special game on tonight's show with a very valuable prize. Let me guess. Our lives? (laughs) Another predictable villain. Predictable? Ha! Listen, Chief, predictable isn't even in my dictionary. And yet you still resemble it well. Can we get on with this? Sitting in the dark while my boyfriend squeezes me to death was not how I thought I would spend my Saturday night. Ugh, fine. Let us begin now, Mix Malcolm. Do you know how to rewire electronic equipment? Uh, I can fix a fuse box? Next question. Do you know how to fend yourself off against rogue electronic gadgets and thingamabobs? What? Do you know how to run very, very fast? Preston, get up now! Because I'd get started if I were you. (laughs) Preston, we have to get out of the house. Why? Who is that on the phone? What? The lights turned on around them, some burning brighter than usual. And then came the noise. The TV flicked on to loud static that rang in their ears, stunning the two of them as they stopped to block out the noise. Eventually, Andy grabbed Preston's hand and pulled him down the hall, and then they were running. As they ran, light bulbs popped and blew out, shattering sparks and glass on their backs as they sprinted through the vast, dark halls of the Cassia Mansion. The two stopped at one point to take a breath around a corner, but didn't have much time to relax, as the vacuum cleaner Mora had modified into being wireless came around the corner. Andy grabbed Preston again and the two took off towards the kitchen at high speeds. I turned that off after I finished cleaning yesterday. What's it doing on? And why is it after us? Whoever that was on the phone has tapped into everything electronic in the house. I think they're trying to kill us. Oh, great. I can't even have one night without the inevitability of death coming up now, can I? What did I do to deserve this? Well... Don't answer that. The two slid into the kitchen, slamming the door shut and locking it, just as the vacuum slammed into the old, rigid oak. It hit a few more times, and then all was quiet. Preston began to shuffle through the drawers, looking for any sorts of metals. Where's the silverware? I I can use my powers to make it in some sort of large bat or sword. Come on, come on! Well, 
At least we should have a few minutes to rest. I mean, I doubt this monster can reach us all the way in the kit. Preston? Yes, love? Remind me to keep my big mouth shut the next time we get into big trouble like this? Yes, dear. Suddenly, the room became a madhouse. The coffee pot began to boil up scalding liquids, flooding the floor and threatening to rise to drowning levels with enough time. The blender sputtered to life in front of Preston, wrapping its cord around his left arm and pulling him close to its open blades. Andy attempted to pull the blender off him, but slipped back in the coffee and fell down, just in time for the cords of the fridge to tangle themselves around their slight frame. They screamed as they were pulled towards the icebox, fighting to save off entering their icy tomb. Meanwhile, Preston had gotten free of the blender and was now in a fighting match with the microwave. He slammed it down onto the counter, delivering the killing blow, right as he felt a light touch on his shoulder, almost like a hand. But when he turned, he found it to be the electrical wiring of the oven. Before he could back away, it had wrapped itself around his neck and limbs, pulling him to the ground and steadily beginning his death crawl into the fires of the raging oven. He took one last glance over at Andy, the two locking eyes, very certain this was the end. As they did so, the radio on the kitchen table turned on. And now for our next segment, Home Safety. Tonight we'll be discussing the necessary precautions one should take while working in the kitchen. Be sure to keep all knives and other sharp objects out of the reach of children. Don't let your dairy spoil either. Leaving it out in the heat for far too long will make a waste of money. If need be, buy yourself some armored heifers. Those things will save you plenty of moolah. And don't forget to close the freezer before leaving, or else you might let all that coal out. Be sure to unplug any electrified gadget of yours. You don't want to have an accident like leaving your oven on. You might just burn, burn your houseway that way. <laughs> and don't forget about... The voice droned on as the two struggled to get free. What were they going to do? It all seemed hopeless. And Moore and Jezebel didn't even know what was going on. Of course, that could be because they were dealing problems of their own down in the lab. The computer says there's an intruder somewhere, but it's not picking up any signs of visible bodies, shadow wings, or incorporeal figures anywhere inside or outside of the house. There's no possible explanation for this. It's not like the computer could be wrong. Oh, come on, doll. You don't really think these newfangled gizmos are that reliable, do you? And then, from behind the two girls came the sound of flesh on metal and the shuffling of feet on the floor. Mora and Jezebel both turned at the same time, eyes meeting with the corpse the young scientist had just been busy picking apart. Its organs oozed out from the holes she had cut into its body, blood trailing over the tendrils of the sawn-off limbs. Its eyes were glowing as was its innards, from the light of the devices hooked into its body. Mora had been using them to see more clearly into the deepest parts of its anatomy, but now felt sick as she watched the corpse light up like a grotesque jack-o'-lantern. Her fear only increased as it took a step towards her, and mockingly laughed as she slid behind Jezebel, who put one arm out protectively in front of her. Who are you? How the hell did you get in here? Wouldn't you like to know, Hellgirl? <laughs> who is the curious one, and protective too? Wouldn't want your little scientist to get injured now, would you? What? No, I don't like actually care about her. She's just important goods for my boss. Real touching, Jez. Funny, funny. You two are a pair of funny dames. It's too bad you'll have to die now. I mean, you could also, like, not kill us. That would be totally cool, and it wouldn't hurt as much. Yeah, but where would be the fun in that? I already reanimated a cadaver. 
Let's just see how thrilling this can get. Hell, you two might even make the news. Then the monster swung up one arm, lurching forward and smacking Jezebel square in the chest. She let out a small oof sound as she tumbled back towards the computer, but still held her ground. Lunging towards the beast, she grabbed at its throat, lifting it up off the ground and then slamming it back down hard. A wrestling match ensued between the two as one attempted to overpower the other. In the meanwhile, Mora attempted to shut down the computer, but to no avail. She tried every passcode and safety procedure, but nothing would work, and the Aerosign was just about ready to drive her crazy. She slammed the enter button over and over again when a shriek rattled out from behind her. The great beast had Jezebel pinned down and was holding Mora's largest surgical knife above its head, cackling. Jezebel! Say goodbye, you hellspawn! <laughs> and then, in a brief moment of panic, Mora turned and, using her power, sunk a pair of big, black claws into the backside of the figure, ripping out a massive mess of electrical cords and shrapnel-cut guts, squeezing them over in her grip and tearing them into the tiniest shreds one can imagine, then letting them fall like gory confetti onto the cold tile floor beneath her. She stood, panting like a maniac, and watched as the body fell silent and flopped over next to Jezebel. Jezebel steadied her breath, looking up at Mora, who stood looking at her bloodied hands, her hair a wild mess, her eyes far away and full of hysteria. They made eye contact. Jez wasn't sure what thoughts passed between them, but they certainly were not good. Mora helped her to her feet, and the two stabilized themselves next to each other, eyes on the body, Mora never letting go of Jezebel's hand. The computer shut off behind them, and then came a great pounding at the door. Whoever it is... I'll have you know that I just ripped apart a living corpse so I won't have any second thoughts on destroying- Mora! It's Preston and Andy! Open up! Mora and Jez crept towards the door, keeping an eye on the body behind them. It had stopped twitching, but they still wanted to make sure there wasn't anything more to come of it. Mora steadily unlocked the door and pulled it back open to see a very dirt and ash-covered Preston and a slightly soaked and ashy Andy standing together. Preston had some sort of black metal sword in his hand, which he promptly dropped as he stumbled into the lab and fell into a nearby chair. Andy landing on top of him. The two looked worn down as they sat in the semi-darkness across from the corpse that had just been laid to waste. What happened to the both of you? You two look like shit. Speak for yourself, you mess of an existence, but we both nearly died by means of kitchen electronics. If Preston hadn't realized the oven was made of metal and was able to use the heat to forge himself a makeshift sword, we both would have kissed this wonderful place goodbye. Yeah, I can't believe I was almost roasted alive. And poor Andy here almost became a freezy pop. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Poor pity, you two. Meanwhile, Jez and I had to fight off a reanimated corpse who some wacko brought to life. Mora, it's okay. You can take responsibility for bringing someone back to life again. We under- I didn't reanimate this one on purpose, you idiot! Oh, okay, okay. Mora, please. We've all had a very long night, and we still have no answers as to what just happened. Everyone's still shaken up, and let's just take a minute to breathe. Yes, please, take a breather before I get on with round two. The voice came as a low hum over the nearby radio on Mora's desk. She stepped over to it, picking it up and turning it over in her hands. So, that's where you ran off to. The airwaves are my home, my dear. They welcome my silky voice with reverence and care. But right now, I am very angry. So I'm afraid you won't get the same treatment. How tragic. Now tell me, mysterious voice, because you must have a reason attempting to kill us. A job, a chore, or a hobby. 
My money's on the third one. Ha ha ha! Oh, so clever! Well, I wouldn't say it to just be a hobby. Just a side gig until I get what I want. And what do you want? Why do you care? I just tried to kill you, doll. Well, you're a villain, or at the very least, deranged and disturbed, which at this point is close enough. And I'm a villain, so maybe we could level with each other here. Well, aren't you quick to forgive? And you're quick to accept defeat, so I suppose that makes us even. I like your moxie, kid. Well, if you must know, I'm trapped in my radio. You see, I was cursed to being confined in here for a very, very long time. Now at first it was okay, but then the years drone on and I became bored. There was nothing fun to report on the news either. So I set off to make some headlines of my own. Murders that went unsolved, that was me. Mutilations, electrocutions, why? I have some talents outside of just being a charming voice. <laughs> so, because you couldn't get free, you turned to... sadism? Like you said, it's more of a hobby. Personally, I like to think of it as writing my own little stories. These people are my characters. I can twist them however I want. Cut off those limbs and pull out those organs. <laughs> and given what I've seen of your work tonight, I'm sure you could level with me on that. Now can't you? I suppose. Of course you could, clever girl. So, you want to be free. Well... I would like some help getting rid of that pesky brother of mine. Mora, please, I swear to God, I didn't eat your last tub of ice cream on purpose. I was distressed. Not you, fool. Lucas! Do we have to go through this every time? Ugh! Listen, uh, what was your name again? Just call me Mike. Okay, Mike. If you agree to help me get rid of my brother, I will set you free from your radio prison. But only if you stop torturing my henchmen and Jezebel as well. Well, that sounds a bit boring. But freedom does sound so very spiffy at this point, I'm willing to try anything. Deal, Miss Cassia. And it was at this moment, one of the hands of the corpse swung around and up, extending out to Mora, a few drops of fluids dripping off of it. She took it gingerly and shook it. She then pulled her hand away from its grip and wiped it along the remains of her lab coat. Yes, good to be in business with you. You got that right, dame. Now if you'll excuse me, I've got some planning to do. I'll get back to you later with what you've got to do. Don't croak while I'm gone! Are you sure this is a good idea? Relax, you worry too much. Well, they did just try to kill us, Moira. You literally had to save my life! Relax! Listen, I know they don't seem trustworthy, but neither are all of us. We can easily play this fool into doing exactly what we need from them. Just believe me, once Lucas is gone and the town is ours, they'll be doing our dirty work until the end of time. What are they going to do to any of us anyways, huh? Trick us? Kill us? <sighs> Not in any of our wildest dreams. Well... You're the boss. That's right, I am. Now let's get this place cleaned up. It's approaching the witching hour here at 667FM The Kill. And with that, we'll be taking one more short intermission before we get on with the Brig Grand Finale. What, what is Mike really up to? And what will happen to Lucas? Is Mora really safe from the beast's power and abilities? We'll find out after these short messages.
This episode of The Other Side was brought to you by the following voices. Han Lumsden as the narrator. Adrian Norsworthy as Maura Cassia. Blake Drinnen as Preston Cassia. Andy Giovanni as Andy Malcolm. Tia Borg as Jezebel Samayazos. And Svea Sanes as the radio announcer and Mike. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. And don't touch that dial.